You know, we've created drama at work so that we have something to talk about and something to complain about. And if we had to take drama out the workplace, what would we talk about? And it's almost like we create the drama. We create the ideas of suffering and toughness so that we can talk about these things. Why are we persecuting leaders when a lot of this isn't they doing, right? It's, it's people that are creating trends on TikTok. It is uh, consulting firms creating big names for phenomena that they want to just brand in some shape or form. And I just felt like it's a very unbalanced view of what's happening in the world at the moment. It's not all leaders' fault. And I, I wanted to unpack that a little bit here today. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is the Expansive Podcast. Great to have you joining us again. This is a podcast that I, John Sane, and my co-host, Eric Kruger, do every week. And it's always about the topics that make us as expansive as possible, both in our personal lives as well as in our business lives. I am an author, a keynote speaker, and a future strategist. And I'm always joined by my ever handsome co-host, Eric, who's now sitting in his office back in Cape Town. How are you doing, Eric? Hey, brother. I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. What's been keeping you yeah. busy over the last couple of weeks? I was just thinking the the only thing that you missed in the introduction is that... I, uh, I remember. I remember. Eric's a best-selling author, executive coach, and team-building specialist. <laughs> is that right? No, no, no. No, no. I was actually going to say that, that we love dogs at the expense of... Oh, shit. But, I mean, Let me go back. Let me go. but thank you I for that as well. I should actually start off with this is an expensive podcast, dog lovers only. If you don't love a dog, yeah. please stop listening to this podcast now. Go and love dogs first before you come back. Yeah, yeah. So um, no, I was just going to add that, but thank you for the introduction anyway. Okay. So no, all good. Um, sure. Crazy to think that we are heading towards the end of the year again. It feels like this year has, like every other year, I guess, just flown by. Evaporated. <laughs> Evaporated sure. in and front of us, yeah. And here we are moving into October, November, December. Uh, you're already telling me about your December plans for holidays. So yeah. two months yeah. left of like hard meditation and focus and, and yeah. doing the work. And then yeah. holiday time. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Eh? It's really flown past. I think everybody can uh, attest to the fact that time is changing. I think we've done a couple of podcasts mm. around the malleability of time and how th certain things are whizzing past and other things are taking forever. But yeah, it is an interesting time, you know, um, but it's mm. been a good year all in all. How's, how would you sum up your year? Well, I was going to ask you that as well, because if you think of 2020, 2021, 2022, where would you rank this year? Like in terms of how business has gone and yeah, the overall output of the year for you? You know, it, the, the best way I can describe this year is that we were in a storm, for 2020 and 2021. It was like raining, it was hectic, it was storming, it was tornadoes. And then this feels, 2022 felt like a young spring again. It felt like everything was starting again, everything was fresh again. We're not quite mature like we were pre-COVID-19. We're trying to figure ourselves out again. Do we wear masks? Don't we? Are events big ones good enough? Is hybrid work supposed to be doing? It's almost like this newness that's in the air and a lot of confusion. But I think mm. overall, it's been, for me, a fantastic year. I've really enjoyed it. It's not, turnover-wise, it's not like it was pre-COVID, but really, I think I'm measuring things in different ways. Um, but yeah, mm. I, I think it's like a new year. It's a young spring mm. in that sort of way. What, what do you think? Yeah, I sense that too. I, I like your description of it. 
I ha- if I had to play on that, I'd say that it felt, yes, there was this massive storm, but it, it also felt to me like during that storm that there were these immense gusts of wind and that we were in a way well positioned to receive those. You know, our sails were up, we were out helping, doing lots of things like to, to be of value to people going through a very rough time, you know, like, and, and I think that propelled us forward quite a bit during the pandemic. Um, Pandemic times were some of my best times, actually, from a revenue point of view. And it feels to me like coming out of the storm, actually, in some way, yes, there was the sense of freshness in the air, but it also felt to me like the winds lay down a little bit and that I was instead catching these occasional big waves. And then in between, I, I get to observe the, the newness and the freshness, but I wasn't accelerating towards it. Yeah, but I don't it's think been, there is acceleration in that newness. Yeah. You know, if you but think about been, a bud... Yeah, yeah. No, go for it. If you think about a bud coming out of a flower, like it's starting to bloom, it's a slow process. Mm. It's mm. not at full height summer where everything's like glowing and powerful. And so I think we're still going to get to that summer over the next few years. You know, although we have a recession looming and a war mm. looming and Europe going through seven times increase in their energy prices. So I have no oh, idea what's yeah. going to happen with that over the next year. I mean, it is quite a bit of a sensitive time um mm. but you know we've done a topic on this podcast around the fourth turning and we are very much in the last few years of the fourth turning which is the winter the demise the implosion of existing structures around the world and we're seeing this you know with digital currencies with wars with energy change and when i say energy change i mean where are we getting the energy from what energy are we looking at i was watching pete Buttigieg in an interview yesterday the minister of, Tur- of uh, transport in america talking about electrifying, talking about new energy streams, you know, this is the revolution that's happening around us. And that's Mm. why there's so much chaos. So yes, I think it's a sensitive time, but you know, it is what it is. And uh, we have to make Mm. the best of it. And I think today's topic is very much in line with this around leadership, employees, emotional intelligence and responsibility. I think we've both been out there watching what leaders are doing, what employees are doing, how we can get through this through our own responsibility of our own emotional intelligence. And I think the key word that we're starting to see around, which I think is such a crap word, is quiet quitting. And I think what Scott Galloway said is, if you're quietly quitting, you're going to be loudly fired very soon. So <laughs> do yourself a favor and don't quiet quit. Go find something else, you know. And I think mm. quiet quitting is such an odd thing, you know. what? Like, where is your life that you think that you're winning by quietly quitting? Like, how ob is your life that you think by getting away from doing as little amount of work with maximizing your salary, how are you adding value to the world? And then, like, where, like, you know what it feels like? It feels like when you're at school and you want to do the least mm. amount of homework. So mm. you're trying to scrape through any exam. You know what that's called? Immaturity. Yeah. And so if you're in a job yeah. that you think you need to quiet quit, change jobs because if your life is quietly fading past you and you're just scraping through the minimal amount of work you know we have this housekeeper where i'm staying and she's super bad and i had a chat with her i said you know darling you're 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 focused on maximum extraction with minimum effort can i tell you something you're going to go nowhere in life you're not adding Mm -hmm. value anywhere you think we can't mm. see that you're dodging it all over the place? It's like you're just doing yourself a disfavor. Like, how bad is it that you have to do this, you know? And, you know, it's amazing how with the turnaround she's had since then. It's like just explaining <laughs> to how the world works. Yeah. Like, like, nobody can maximize their, their – their, you, know, you know what it is? You know, let me – I heard this thing yesterday. Only victims 
want to cheat the system because they're mm. losing and feel sorry for themselves so want to maximize and quietly quit. So I think this has sparked the discussion between you and I off air and, and I know you've been watching a bunch of things. So enlighten us with how you see mm. this idea of quiet quitting and leadership. Yeah, listen, it's not even, I think what you said is spot on, um, but it's not even just quiet quitting. You know, since the pandemic started, I think we've been flooded with trend after trend after trend and a big sort of McKinsey consulting style, like description of what's happening in the world after description, after description. And, uh, you know, it's been the great resignation. It's been quiet quitting. Um, it's been obviously the whole trend towards um, remote work. And what I've just been feeling over the past few days kind of highlighted for me by a talk I was watching watching um, last <laughs> night is that a leaders... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't name any names, but a supercar. Well, yes. Um, and the, the prevailing like feeling I had is just that leaders are getting blamed for all of these things. You know, when I read uh, LinkedIn updates or when I see articles that come out about it or TikToks that are being made about it, it's always that leaders are responsible for these things. So the great resignation and then following that is, um, here's how you are, um, here's why your employees are leave, leaving you, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, then it's quite quitting. And then it's like, here's why people are, you know, leaders are pushing people too hard and then it's leading to quite quitting. And then it's like, you know, remote work, people are being forced back to the office. You know, it's like this, how dare you force people to come back to the office? And yeah. I just, I kind of felt like, why are we persecuting leaders mm. um, when a lot of this, isn't they doing right? It's it's people that are creating trends on TikTok. It is uh, consulting firms creating big names for phenomena that they want to just brand in some shape or form. Mm -hmm. But then ultimately, what ends up happening is that leaders bear the brunt of it because they become the ones that is creating all of the chaos and all of the havoc. And I just felt like it's a very unbalanced view of what's happening in the world at the moment. It's not all leaders' fault, and I, I wanted to unpack that a little bit here today because. Um, for us to take a more holistic view means that we realize that, yes, leaders play an important, pivotal role in creating the environment that, that employees operate in. But as an employee, as someone working for a company, you still have autonomy and choice and responsibility. And you can't abscond those. So the, the two needs to be met or, or the two need to, to come together. Um, and I think the way that we do that is we take a more mature look at this relationship between the leadership and follower. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, I did a, I did a workshop with a company the other day and I said to them, you know, we've created drama at work so that we have something to talk about and something to complain about. And if we had to take drama out the workplace, what would we talk about? And it's almost like we create the drama. We create the ideas of suffering and toughness so that we can talk about these things. And, it's, and if you think about it in neuroscience terms, is you're looking for something to complain about. So you create the mm. job that's irritating. You create the colleague that's terrible. You create the money issues. You create the relationship issues so that you can continuously feed the anxiousness, frustration, and irritation that your body's become addicted to. 
Now, this is a very different way of looking at it because this is taking a responsible way to try and create a world that is more seamless, more abundant, and just more energized in, in, mm. in any way. And what most people do that say that's impossible, they're victims to the circumstances and have not taken the autonomy and responsibility. They want to blame the government. They want to blame their company. And then this whole point of this podcast is blame the leaders, that the leaders mm. aren't good enough. And I think that we've also yeah. got to realize that leaders are human. And leaders also don't know what the hell's going on, like the rest of us. And so, yes, we've also got to give them some slack. And I think it's really great that you're wanting to bring this up because everybody's on the high horse of how bad leaders are. But truth is, employees aren't taking responsibility either. So, like, you mm. almost have to really start to take this very keen attitude towards who are you, what are you doing here, how are you adding value, how are you growing, or you're just addicted to drama and blaming everybody else around you. So I love mm. the topic. Let's yeah. unpack and let's get into it. So, um, so let's start with looking at the, the leadership component of it. So the very first thing is that obviously as a leader, you need to cultivate a high level of self-awareness, meaning that um, you need to be aware if you are creating the kind of environment that might be pushing people away, that might be pushing people to the edge. <clears throat> and it's important to know that it, it might happen without you even realizing that it happened. You know, I mean, we get to work with leaders all the time and granted that these are leaders who are ready to invest in their people, ready to invest in their companies, but I'm yet to meet a leader who sits me down and goes, you know what? I really want to push my people to the edge. I really want to make this like as, as, <laughs> as difficult an environment as possible for people to like operate in, you know? You make your place yeah. as environmentally unfriendly yeah. and, and move your people out. Just follow these 10 steps. <laughs> So, so I'm yet to come across that. And so what it tells me is that if we do end up creating an environment like that, it's not intentionally. It is that we are so busy with so many other things, the complexity, the COVID, the, like, the recession, the trying to keep the company alive, that as a reaction to those things, we inadvertently perhaps create an environment where we weren't aware enough that people are pushed too hard, people are pushed to the edge, um, people are being pushed away, whatever the case may be. So yes, from a leadership point of view, there's also a responsibility to continuously create the self-awareness of the environment that you are creating, of the leadership style that you have, of the way that you are communicating with your people, um, the expectations that you have of people. And that was, I think it was very much highlighted during the pandemic. You know, we were so aware of it. And then as we've come out of the storm and we started looking maybe towards a, a different kind of future, Maybe to some extent we let certain things that were important slide again, like people's health and mental well-being and all those kind of things. Maybe we let it slide to a certain extent. But ultimately, one of the most important things that leaders can do is just to keep coming back to the awareness of what kind of environment are they creating. So because you, you don't know. You don't know that you might be creating an environment that isn't sustainable for people to operate in. Um, so that would be my first point. Any thoughts on well, that? Yeah, because I think ultimately, you know, it's emotional intelligence that we're looking for here from both leaders and employees. Mm -hmm. But let's just talk about the leader because the leader here sets the tone for the organization. And if the leader is in a triggered state or is in an angry state or in a frustrated state, then the whole organization has to now mimic that emotion. What I've mm -hmm. never had a boss in my life. In fact, I had a boss for three months and I quit. And I wasn't quite quitting. I was very loudly quitting. I mean, this was still when I was 19 or 20. And I remember the thing that 
made me not ever want to work in a corporate or have a boss is that if I'm in a good mood and my boss is in a bad mood, then I must also be in a bad mood like my boss. So my boss mm, actually mm. dictates my mood for the day. Now, if I'm taking strain and my boss is in a good mood, my boss is going to be like, oh, come on, get over it. But you can't say that to your boss. Your boss is now sitting, mm. dictating the mood. So let's talk about mood because what creates mood is emotional intelligence. And what the real crux of what emotional intelligence is, is one, to become aware that you're being triggered and two, how quickly can you get out of that trigger? Mm. And this refractory period where you get triggered and then come out of this trigger is the level of your emotional intelligence. Now, we've all got triggers. You know, you can get sulking. You can be jealous. You can get angry. You can there's so many different triggers out there. Or And so what happens is people get triggered. And if they don't heal that trigger for a few days, it's just a mood. And if they don't heal that trigger for like a week or two, it becomes a temperament. And if they don't heal that trigger over a couple months, it becomes a personality. And so how many personality people do we have out there that are just triggered? They want to do better, but they're continuously angry. They're continuously frustrated. They're continuously irritated. And when somebody's continuously irritated, frustrated, and angry, the, what they are is emotionally dum-dum. They just don't have the emotional intelligence to want to deal with it. So as good leaders, what we have to do is realize the mood and tone that we set for the organization and our teams is based on our own emotional intelligence. So what do we have to do is try and heal any trauma that we have so these triggers go away or that you pick up on them as quickly as possible and be able to alchemize them as quickly as possible so you can get off your trigger and back onto being in the present moment. Now, let's remember something that all triggers are past versions of yourself. In other words, if you triggered back into being having a tantrum, it's you at four years old getting angry. It's you sulking as when your parents didn't listen to you or whatever it may mm. be. And so what we have to do is heal that trauma to put us into the present moment so that our decisions are not emotional, but much more clear in the way we make them. And then the second thing we have to do is rehearse new emotions, rehearse new behaviors so that when we do get triggered, one, we become aware of it, and two, have a tool set and an anchor point into new behaviors and new ways of thinking. Now, as a leader, if you're not healing your trauma and not rehearsing new, new, re new behaviors through meditation, your emotional intelligence is without doubt going to be low, which means that you are going to be making bad decisions and your organization is going to be suffering for it. Mm. So really, a good leader is about being emotionally intelligent and understanding mm. it in this construct or equation gives us hopefully some tools to work on and help the whole organization develop a better mood. Yeah, I love that because, you know, often when we think of emotional intelligence, we only think of um, people's ability to read other people's emotions and be um, uh, like well adjusted to those emotions. Uh, but I love this. I love this way of view that you explained it. Um, I was reading a thing this morning that said leaders are like weather systems. They control the atmosphere and all people can do around them is to adjust to that atmosphere. Wow, Just to, that's to exactly what you were saying, spot hey? on. Yeah. yeah. And so what yeah, creates yeah. an atmosphere mm. is what's going on inside your head. So mm. what's going on inside your head is the neuroscience that you need to get into. And what goes on inside yeah. your head creates a mood. Mm. Yeah. Very love good. It. I love, love it. it. Good. All right. So that's the self-awareness and emotional intelligence component. And then the only other thing that I would say about the leadership side of this is it's tough, man. You know, like ultimately we've all been through a lot over the past couple of years and the additional burden that leadership has is that it's responsible not only for itself but for many other people 
right? When I wrote the leadership manual at the start of the year, um, I kind of hesitated to put in this idea of the burden of leadership because leadership is always this glorified thing. That's like you, everyone should be a leader. Like it's amazing to be a leader. Leaders are the the future. You know, it's all about leadership. No, they just make more money, Eric. (laughs) Everybody wants to be a leader. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a, there's a big burden that comes with leadership. And that burden is that you're responsible for a lot of people at the same time. And that, um, you know, their problems become your problems. And a, a, a workforce that is unhappy makes you unhappy. It, it makes your life very difficult. Um, but it's not just that you're looking at the people. You're also looking at the stakeholders. You're also looking at um, the overall health of the company and the future of the company. And it's like, and it's not just that. It's also the succession planning for what's coming next and also the innovation that needs to happen. So there's, there are so many things that leaders need to be taking into consideration at all times. It's not just that they are trying to push this one person to the edge or that they are trying to create an environment where they push people away. Um, there's a lot to figure out as it is in a company. When you look at a company as a, a living organism, it's complex. Like, I mean, I, I deal with teams. Teams, just, just put a team of eight people in a room and I promise you it's one of the most complex environments to go and deal with. Now take that team, multiply it by 10, um, amount of people in the company then add like millions and millions and millions of dollars of revenue to that um, add working across different time zones like it becomes hectic and crazy and so who does and, and who does the responsibility fall onto then to figure out how, what is the best way forward typically it falls onto leadership and then they don't get things wrong or they, they don't get things right initially and everyone just wants to crucify them for it it takes time, right? And we know that in the, hopefully if you are listening to this and you're on a leadership position, then you've adopted a more collaborative stance towards problem solving and, and the way forward. And you've realized that the best way forward is to bring people in and help them or get them to help you figure out what the best way forward is. It doesn't just have to fall onto you, but ultimately the responsibility still lies on you. And you know, when a, a sports team is underperforming, the coach gets the chop, right? That, that's how it works. Like, even if the team isn't performing and you can point to individuals in the team, it still comes down to the coach. So it still comes down to the leader. And that's why sometimes they might be a bit more cautionary in how they make decisions. That's why they might be making certain decisions from fear and frustration. Understand that because they are simply just human. And I think we can extend a little bit of, of leniency and, um, I want to say grace, but that's not really the right word, patience towards leaders that are trying to figure out how to do things in this very, very complex world. Yeah, I agree. The complexity of the spiritual being, you know, somebody was saying the other day, an organization is a spiritual being. It needs looking after. And the mother and father and the uncles and aunts, if you want to think of us in family terms, have a tough time. You know, you have a lot of these Mm. kids running around not doing what they're supposed to do or, you know, things are changing, skills they need aren't available. I mean, an AI is coming. In fact, I was speaking to somebody yesterday and they were saying they used to work at Metal Steel in Ferenigen, which is a little town outside Johannesburg. When she used to, when she started working there 30 years ago, there were 44,000 people working there. When she left two years ago, there were 4,000 people working there. And she said technology took away 40,000 jobs. I mean, that is serious. Incredible. Serious. So um, she's retired now, but I mean, just think about that. You know, it's not only that your capabilities aren't there. It's just it's complex for everybody. 
And I think that's yeah, the key yeah. here is that the yeah. complexity is affecting everybody, but leaders are, you know, the, 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 the bullseye is on the leader and, and mm. that's what it is at the moment. You know, it's a tough time to be a leader. Let's move on. We've got like this. Bit. Yeah. So if, you, if you're a graphic designer, right, mm. and, and AI is coming for your job, that's you and AI having to figure this thing out, right? Like that's on you and trying to think about the, the future of your, your yeah. own existence. If yeah. you are the leader of a business that AI is coming for parts of the business, that's a total different game. You know, yeah. you are, there are thousands of people that need to be pivoted, that need to be reskilled, that mm-hmm. need to be upskilled, that need to be moved into today teams and tomorrow teams. Like the complexity of it is even more. So I think there's just a bit of like understanding that needs to happen for people from, from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but the last thing that I wanted to then just say is like, so we've, we've covered the leadership side of it. We said mm-hmm. it's about self-awareness, about emotional intelligence, and about understanding that they're also just people trying to figure this out, but yes. with the additional burden of leadership. Yes. And, which I don't think is an unfair thing to say. And, and then the final thing is then to come back just to people who are experiencing the complexity in the organizations as well. And the people who are quiet quitting and the people who are part of the great resignation and the, the people who are, feel like they're being forced to go back to work. Mm. And you kind of nailed this in the introduction when you said that ultimately we are all responsible for our own lives mm. and we can't always just look to external forces and blame what's happening in our lives on external forces. Mm. Uh, no one is forcing you back to work. Ultimately, mm. if if, if someone decides this is how I want to run my business, then it's up to you to decide whether you're going to work there or not. Mm-hmm. They're not forcing you. They're mm-hmm. saying this is how we want to do things mm-hmm. and you can choose. Mm-hmm. I've been speaking to like leaders on and off about, you know, will they do hybrid? Will they do remote? Will they do in person? And the, the, the overall sense that I have is that it doesn't matter what you choose. Just know there's a trade-off either way. If you choose full remote, there's a trade-off. If you choose in person, there's a trade-off. If you choose hybrid, there's a trade-off. So decide which trade-off you are happy with and then just go with that. And then the same thing goes for you on the other side as someone who works somewhere. Like if you want to go work in, work in person, there's a trade-off. If you want to work remote, there's a trade-off. Just choose your trade-offs. Choose it. Like no one is forcing it on you. Just choose it. Um, and the same thing goes for, for quiet quitting. Like you're saying, like if you are not happy where you are, move somewhere else. Like, it's not, I, it's, it's, it, that is true, but if you are yeah. just thinking like you're fooling the system because you're doing as minimal amount of work as possible, you're wasting your life away, your life, mm. your life mm. force, your spiritual force. That's you only hear once, like, well, for now we think that, but we only hear once. And now what are you going to do? Oh, I'm, I'm dodging mm. work. Like yeah. you, five years old trying to dodge an exam. Yeah. It's like, what a waste <laughs> of a life. Like that irritates yeah. me more than anything else that you think you're mm. winning by wasting your hours of, of life that you have left here on mm. earth. Like get out of here, go and do something you love, go and find something. Mm. You, but you know what it is? I'm addicted about complaining. I'm addicted to fight against the man, fight against the system. I love complaining about the government. I love complaining about that. I love. And so I want to rather stay in the familiarity of complaining than actually find what makes me come alive and do that. Like, mm. what a ridiculous mm. notion. Like, it bothers me. That's why I can't coach, Eric. When people ask yeah. me to coach them, I'm like, I can't. Because halfway through the coaching session, I want mm. to reach through the Zoom and slap them. I'm like, guy, guy, wake up, man. Life is yeah, but, zooming past you. But you shouldn't be coaching the victims. You should be coaching the winners. The, the people who are already going and they just want to go faster. 
you're absolutely right. Uh, I just can't risk it because sometimes I have started coaching somebody and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm coaching this person. <laughs> killing me. Maybe I should be more intentional about coaching and then coach the winners. You're right. You're right. You're right. You Thank know, you for that. Um, the, I, th I think it's also just that we've, we've created a culture where people like to be pandered to, you know, mm. and, and, and that's something that grinds me a lot is that, mm. that, you, that you would expect someone to change their entire business to suit you. Mm. And you think that everything that happens in a business needs to be perfect but just you, for you. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. That like you go into the office and it needs to be the perfect environment to satisfy your every single need. And mm. that when you're at home, it should satisfy your every single need. It's mm. just impossible. It just doesn't like mm. life just doesn't work like that. And our expectation that it should creates this unhappiness. It's childish. It is childish. childish. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's childish. It's like take responsibility. You know, I was at a talk with Standard Bank many years ago, and the guy was complaining bitterly about management above him. And I said to him, I said, you know, it sounds like you should leave and create a startup and fight against or start something that will then dislodge what you're complaining about. Rather than mm. sitting and complaining, get out and create something from your frustration that can deal with what you're frustrated about. Mm. And he didn't take it well because he wanted me to pander to his complaining. Yeah, and so yeah. that's the mm. thing is that every time I start complaining about something, I realize I'm in the wrong place. Like go somewhere else, focus on something else, working on something else, like get busy with it. Like your life mm. is passing you by. Why do you want to sit around complaining about mm. anything really? Yeah. 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 And I think we can just right. wrap it up right there. Um, yeah, thank you. So, uh, you know, when we started today, I told you, like, there's this idea in the back of my head and I've just wanted mm. to, like, I've wanted to just riff on it a bit because mm. it, I just feel it's so, it's such an easy out to just blame leaders all the time for everything that's mm. going wrong in organizations. And mm. yes, we know that they have a very strong signature on what's happening in the, in the environment, in the organization, but we forget that they are also just trying to figure things out. And uh, we can't just be fooled by the headlines that, that tell us that, Quiet quitting is because of bad leadership. Great resignation is because of bad leadership. People being forced back to the office is bad leadership. It, it doesn't paint the correct picture. It doesn't give us a balanced view of what's happening. You know what? So, it's just far too easy to say those things. It's just far too easy. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, thank you very much, Eric. Appreciate that. And thank you so much for listening to the Expansive Podcast this week. Uh, if you like this podcast, please do share it with somebody you think that would benefit from it. And please jump over into iTunes or to Spotify and give us a five-star rating. If it's anything less, please don't bother. And also, that was a joke. You can give it any rating you want, obviously. Um, a five-star just always helps it go further. And uh, thank you so much for joining us again. You can book Eric and I for talks, uh, facilitation sessions. Eric focuses on teams and leadership. I focus on the future and neuroscience. And we also do joint um, sessions together, helping organizations develop more expansive futures. And please do find us across social media and join us on our journey that we help more people become more expensive. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye.